This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in Melbourne's CBD. Today's big question, what happened when the model met the designer? At age 14, Tracy Trinitar was given a modelling contract in New York. She modelled for top designers and travelled the world, but this didn't make her happy. So she embarked on a spiritual quest and found something far more satisfying. And she joins me now as she shares her story. Please welcome Tracy Trinitar. Hello. Well, Tracy, it's great that you can be here today. Thank you so much. I'm extremely excited to be in Melbourne and in, in this place. Now, Tracy, you're from Indonesia, yet Tracy doesn't sound like a particularly Indonesian name. Can you tell us, how did you get your name? Uh, well, my whole family loved tennis, and there is a legend by the name of Tracy Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, she won lots of champions at the age of 14. My parents hoped that by giving me the name Tracy, that I'll be a tennis player, and I'm the only one in my family who doesn't know how to play tennis. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you like playing tennis? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Now, we do try to have a bit of fun on Bigger Questions, and today we're talking with Tracy Trinitar about when the model met the designer. So, Tracy, in today's quiz, I thought we'd test you on the world of modelling. Oh, my gosh. I'm nervous. You're nervous. (laughs) Do you you feel qualified at all? Maybe I forgot some of the (laughs) terms. Okay, we'll find out. Question one. The 2001 movie Zoolander was a satire on the fashion industry starring Ben Stiller, who plays male model Derek Zoolander. Now, which of the following actors and models wasn't in the cast of Zoolander? Okay, no okay, pressure. Um, <laughs> okay, who was it? Was it A, Heidi Klum, B, Giselle Bunjan, C, Donald Trump, or D, Tracy Trinita? Uh, I think Giselle Bunjan is not there. Correct, you got it right. Yes, big round of applause. <laughs> So you were actually in Zoolander. Uh, you had a, a minor role <clears throat> yes. as a dancer. Tell us, what was it like? It was amazing. Uh, ben Stiller and Owen Winston extremely funny on the shooting day. Even before the cameras on, they constantly make fun of each other. It was we constantly laughing, yeah. and it was great. Um, the scene was supposed to be. I asked uh, Owen Winston, like, "Hey, would you like me to teach you how to dance?" And I do the hula hula dance Hawaiian style. But it's so funny because they cut it. But at the same time, they put the picture as a billboard. So my friends saw in the U.S. like trace you in billboard everywhere across the U.S. I'm like, really? What, what, what for? And it was a Hansel instead of Zoolander. They make fun. It's like Hansel movie, but it's really part of a Zoolander movie. It's in the in 18 minutes when you see the movie of Zoolander, um, for only three seconds. <laughs> okay. A great experience for you though, was it? To it be was a, so much fun. Okay, question two. The Elite Model Look Competition is the world's premier fashion modeling event designed to discover and launch fashion models. How many people enter the competition each year? Is it A, zero, no one's interested in modeling? Is it B, 3,500, it's a pretty small pool of moderately interested contestants? Is it C, 35,000, quite a lot of people enter? Or is it D, 350,000, the competition's enormous, it seems that everyone wants to be a model. Is this international or international? national? Yes, that's national. I would say the last one, D. D, and you're correct. It is, yeah. 350,000 people enter, which means it seems like a lot of people want to do modeling. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, do you think that I should enter the, the elite model? I'll leave it to public opinion. <laughs> oh, no, you're, you're, the, you're the professional. Maybe I should get your opinion. Or so. I, I, I want to go through this interview well, okay. so I better be nice to you. Okay, just, just a full disclosure, they do say I have a face for radio. So, um, anyway. 
So Tracy, in our world of modelling quiz, you got two out of two correct. Big round of applause for Tracy Trinitar. Now, Tracy, whilst we've been talking about the world of modelling, you weren't always a model. In fact, you grow up facing some fairly significant challenges. Can you tell us what it was like growing up in Indonesia? Well, I grew up in Bali. It's oh, beautiful. It? Yeah. My house five minutes away from the beach. And after school, I just jump to the sea and swim until I'm hungry and come back home mm -hmm. to eat. But in school, like, I received such a peer pressure. Um, and also, I have such a low self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I have, I would say, three identity crises at a very young age. Mm. How old were you when you had this identity crisis? I think I was around 12, 13 when I really discovered that this really bothers me. Mm -hmm. And I wish I can change to be somebody else. So you weren't particularly happy with who you were? At that time, there's three major things that really bothers me. Uh, the first one was actually identity. My father is from Brazil and my mom is Indonesian. My dad, blonde and blue eyes. My mom is uh, Asian, dark skin, and I look Chinese. And people, if I walk with my parents, they will be like, is that really your parents? I'm like, yeah, they're my parents. Because I don't look like neither of them. Mm -hmm. And the second one is actually, uh, as Maya mentioned, my name, Tracy. Indonesian pronunciation of Tracy is Trasi. And Trasi is a smelly fish. <laughs> Imagine to be called smelly fish in school. <laughs> and the last one, I was tall. Yeah. For Asian, I was very tall. I'm actually now 181, 511. But before, when I was 13, I was 173. So in so Bali... They call me giant, they call me coconut tree, they call me bamboo tree because I'm tall. Mm -hmm. So I hate those three things and it, it makes me grow up with such a low self-esteem. You're also called giraffe or something as well? Yeah, like, giraffe is my other name. Yeah. Thanks for reminding <laughs> sorry, me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. But that obviously affected your outlook on life. Yeah, very much so. I really wish to be somebody else. i just not happy with, with who I am. Yeah, what happened? So what happened is that when I was 14, my mom realized that I have such a low self-esteem with my height. So she thinks that maybe modeling contests will help me to boost my confidence. So she signed me up for this modeling competition in Jakarta. It's the biggest modeling competition for teenagers. Whoever the winner of the year become instantly the most famous model of the year. So I joined these competitions. When I come back home to Bali, all of a sudden, people are like, hi, Tracy, I saw you on TV last night. I saw you in the news today. And people start to like come to me with my real name, not Tracy, mm -hmm. not Giraffe, not anything else, but Tracy. Mm -hmm. And then they applaud me, and I have so many friends all of a sudden. Mm. And I, for the first time, I felt love, accepted, and I feel for the first time, I'm somebody. So you actually won that competition? The, yes. yes. It was like from nobody to somebody moment overnight. Wow. So how did it feel when you won? It felt so weird. People just applaud so loudly and in your face in every newspaper in Indonesia, every magazines for the next few months. And people on the street knows your name. It's so weird because I, I, someone's like, hey, Tracy Trinita, Tracy Trinita. I came to him or her and it's like, I don't know you. I just want to call your name. I'm like, I didn't know what famous people's feels like, you know. <laughs> it took a while to adapt to that new lifestyle, but I like it. You liked it. Because for the first time, I really feel important. Then your mom entered you into another competition, the uh, Elite Model Look Competition, which was the look of the year. Yes. The competition mm -hmm. with thousands of entrants. What happened then? Uh, elite Model is like equivalent to Miss Universe for model. So I was the winner in Indonesia. I represent Indonesia in the international. It, there was uh, 65 countries, 77 contestants, and I'm one of the winners. So I got contract to work in New York City mm -hmm. with Elite Model Management across the world, which based in New York City. That was the first in the history of Indonesian model. Mm. And I was like, wow, like it was exciting. Because this is a pretty prestigious competition, isn't it? There's a, other top models have 
been involved in this competition. Lina Evangelista, Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell came from these competitions. Yeah. So why did you want to do modeling? At first, I hate it. At first, I was so annoyed the fact that people touch my hair, put so much stuff on my face and telling me what to do. But when I start to see the result and how people appreciate it and how much money I can make, I start to really like it because mm -hmm. I felt like for the first time, I felt important and I felt independence mm. financially especially so after sometimes I start to appreciate it and I start to pursue it for more because for the first time I feel happy and I thought happiness can only be found in wealth and fame mm -hmm. that's why I want to pursue more of modeling in order to be happier I thought maybe by increasing that will make me um, happier so were you happy uh, for sometimes yeah mm -hmm. for sometimes uh, in the beginning of that it's actually uh, so much happiness it mm. was the best year of my teenage life yeah 14 was really the highlight so you went to New York as a model at 14 so what was it like so after I won this competitions my the agency in New York asked me like Tracy the price is $50,000 when you will come to New York to work as a professional model I'm like oh, I want it and I came to my parents and like okay uh, parents mm. I want to go to New York. And they're like, are you kidding? You're only 14. Like, no, you go to school. Like, you cannot go anywhere. And I was begging my parents. And I was like, please, please. I want to be the first ever model who work with elite agency across the world based in New York City. No one ever been there before. And I, I keep telling my parents, like, mom, dad, it's better to be the first. No one can replace you. The best, they will always be the best after you. And they're like, no, that's not even a good argument. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so then finally, I think my mom pitied me and she said like, okay, you can try for one year. If you keep up with your school, if you still be the Tracy that we know, you can actually stay longer. Mm -hmm. So going to New York City alone, mm. 14 to 15, it was a new adventure. You eventually got some work though yes. in, in New York. So who did you model for? People often think that modeling world is such a glamour world. Yes, on the outside, but it's so much hard work in the inside, like behind the scene. A lot they say models work hard, but don't you just stand and look at a camera and just smile? Or no, not even smile. You're not supposed to smile, you just stand <laughs> no, and look at a camera. Yeah, exactly. You're supposed to look like you're angry. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Maybe they're angry and so hungry. Say, so you say models work hard. How do models work hard? Um, uh, you know, to get a job, you have to do auditions. And out of 100 auditions that you go to, at least maximum, you probably get 10 jobs. Mm -hmm. So 90 people say no to you. Magazine or uh, house of labels or advertising will say no to you because you're not the model that they're looking for. Right, yeah. And one audition, oftentimes up to 1,000 model audition for that. Wow. So imagine they have to pick out of maybe 200, 500 or 1,000 model just to be that one person they're looking for. So it's lots of hard work. But the glamour part of it is that on the photo shoot, you are the, you the star. Mm. It's all about you. They will dress you, they will put nice makeup on you, nice hair, and people focus on you. But then when the photo shoots finish, you're back to normal. You go back home, sometimes using train, sometimes using bus. Until you reach out to fame, certain level of fame, then you can actually have the, all these privileges that not common model have. Now, when I was a kid, they told me when there was a camera, you had to look at the camera and smile. <clears throat> now, most models don't smile. Why is that? <laughs> I'm sure they're hungry. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <Which> uh, <laughs> Sorry, models. <laughs> um, I think there is two types of models. Uh, first is commercial. Commercial is the very happy, the cheery one. It's basically they try to promote a product and they don't have to be tall. And the second one is we call it catwalk models or high-end models, which they're very elegant and very like just posing and 
much more like smile, smile with your eyes. It's uh, if you can smile with your eyes, you can be a model. It's so lots of people trying out there now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, a question's come from one of my colleagues. Do models eat KFC? I love KFC with <laughs> all my heart. Um, I noticed that model comes with two genes. One is naturally skinny and second is try hard to be skinny to keep up with the work. So the natural skinny is so lucky because they can eat anything and they're still skinny. One of the example, my friend Giselle Binchen, I hang out in her house and she eats so much food and she's so small. And the other friends who eat only like half of the apple and she put back in the fridge and I'm like, wait, why don't you finish the whole apple? Oh, that's my lunch tomorrow. I'm like, <laughs> one apple for two days who does that she did it you know like yeah wow. so so some people have to try hard to keep up with the weight just because the pressure from the modeling world is intense to remain um, actually quiet because of the competitions it's mm. like especially when you work in paris new york milan is the hardest place the best of every country come to the cities and you compete the, the best of the best basically mm. Mm. so who did you model for and no, drop some names go on tell us who okay you. so i did a uh, united color of benetton worldwide i did a mango campaign i worked for yves saint laurent uh, jean paul gourtier i did chanel i did kenzo i did l Claire, vogue you saw your photos on billboards and magazines how did it feel to see yourself there it's funny that you asked that because one time i was walking in the shopping mall with my mom and there's a big billboard of my face and like mom that's me she's like that's not you <laughs> mom that's me i was that's me mom she's like that's not you until we come close and like mom look at the scar between the eyebrow i have a big scar here it is you you know i'm just like so funny how she can only see the you know the flaw then she realized it was me <laughs> <laughs> now cameron russell who gave one of the most popular ted talks looks aren't everything believe me i'm a model admits that she is insecure. She has to think about what she looks like every day. She claims that models are probably the most insecure people on the planet. Was she right? I think she's correct, yeah. It's so funny because when you see models, you see like they look perfect and they act like they're very confident. It's actually very easy to fake that kind of confidence. But honestly, when you've been a judge every single day in the basis of your look, it's really hard to have the real confidence that comes from within. Uh, you have to put up a certain confidence to portray that you're a professional model. But I noticed that even for myself, I have such a low self-esteem even when I already work as a model. So ironically, the competition that was supposed to give you self-esteem, you actually now had lost it because of the modeling. Yes. At that time, I was trying to fake it to look confident even though I'm not confident at all. Mm. As a model, you got to wear great clothes, well-paid, were popular, traveled the world, but how did you feel? Uh, I have a very close friend of mine that she will call me every two weeks to ask. Uh, in New York, when you party, you party with a star. You party with famous people that I'm sure all of you have seen his movie. And, and, and we hang out with lots of other famous people. And she loved this story. Whenever she called me, she's like, okay, who you've met this week? And I'll tell her, like, you know, remember the album that we sang the whole album? Yeah, he was sitting next to me and we talk. Remember that uh, actor that we, you know, we watched the movie about the, the sinking ship and stuff like that? Yeah, 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 I party with him. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky. It, you know, I wish I have your life. She didn't know one thing, is that that's amazing. But every time I come back home, when I unmask myself, when I be the real me, when I don't have to pretend anymore, I'm not happy. And the reason why I'm not happy is not because I'm lack of anything. In fact, I have more than enough. But there's a void in my heart. There's an emptiness in my heart that I don't know how to fill this emptiness. And I'm trying with lots of other things like shopping, mm. traveling, partying, and every other things. And yet, I still have to face this emptiness. 
It's interesting because we often hear that the key to happiness is to have dreams and the key to success is making them come true. And you did that. You had a, a dream to be an international model and it had come true, yet you were unhappy. It is extremely strange because my theory as a 14 years old that if I want to be happier, I have to be more famous and more rich. At that point of life, I reached those two. I think I was recognized in my country as the first Indonesian model ever make it in the countries of fashion weeks. And then also I have more than enough money as a teenager and yet I'm not happy. Mm. And for me, my theory was wrong because I thought when I have those two, I'll be happy and I am not happy. Mm. So that makes me wondering, like, where can I find happiness? So was it then that you began Derek Zoolander's quest? You know, I'm pretty sure that there's a lot more to life than being really, really, really ridiculously good looking. <laughs> and I plan to find out what that is. <laughs> I think the question is, it's just coming to my heart thinking that where can I find real happiness? Mm. Then I look around me. First, I did ask a few models if they ever had this kind of experience of emptiness. And he said, that's normal. I'm like, really? So what's the solutions? And they give me worldly solutions that will damage me in the long run, like using drugs, live free lifestyle, or just kill yourself if you're not happy. And then I was like, I don't want to do that. So the next thing, actually, I was looking around me, and I realized that those people who have a religion seem to be happier. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, maybe what they have that I don't have that I should have which is religion. But the next question is, but which one? Mm. I come from such a mixed belief system, so I have to make decision, but which God, which mm. religion? So, because you grew up in a fairly non-religious background, didn't you? That's right. Um, now, we also hear that happiness is an inside job. It's up to us in our own decisions and choices to make us happy. So why couldn't you find happiness on the inside? Why did you have to go outside? At first, I thought it, that was the solution. And I tried my best to find the happiness within me and do my best to fill all this big hole of emptiness in my heart with everything. And yet it remains empty. Hmm. So then I realized it should be something much more powerful than me to fill this emptiness. And that's why I thought who else is more powerful in the world than God? Mm -hmm. Even though I don't know him, but it seems like the idea of people who has, you know, seeing people who know him, there seems to be happier. And the next question is, again, which religion? Mm. How do I get to know him? Which religion? And you know what I did? What did you do? In New York apartment, I was just like lay down on my bed and look up to the ceiling. And I was like, to the real God, to one who made the universe, can you please reveal yourself to me? That, that was my agnostic prayer. I don't know which God I should pray to. I was just asking the real God, please reveal yourself to me. And you know what happened? What happened? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. But <laughs> I actually wish there's a voice saying like, Tracy, this is God. Yeah. <laughs> it's a phone call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, but God answered my prayer later on. I didn't realize that. But looking back, I realized that was the answer to God's prayer. So how was that prayer answered? My agency asked me if I would like to move to Paris, and I moved to Paris. But it's so interesting because Paris, from Molling's perspective, was amazing. I got an amazing job, meeting lots of amazing people. But there's one friendship that really, really got used to change my life. Uh, this girl, she studied at Sorbonne University, and she asked me to go to church. And I'm like, no. Because Sunday is my sleeping time. I only wake up when I'm hungry. It's normally around 2 o'clock, <laughs> 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You have an apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the lucky one. The skin okay, right, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> and, then, and then what happened is that she insists I should come to church. I did because I just want her to stop asking. 
So I went to church with her, and I don't know what to do. I look around me, and there's something different. I see a glow in people's face. The glow is not because there is lighting. The glow is not because of makeup glitter or they look amazing. No, they look simple, yet they're so happy. And I want to know why they're so happy. And that was the first curious question that came up in my heart. It's like, why they're happy? I want to know why they're happy. I want to be happy like them. Mm -hmm. They're simple but happy. So what happened after that? So... I said, like, is it possible because they know Jesus? Is it possible because they're Christian? But at the same time, there's something within me say like, no, Tracy, do not easily believe in religion. You have to do your homework. You have to investigate everything, and you have to get the answer mm-hmm. that really makes sense in your mind and touch your heart. So I did. So I said, like, okay, there's six belief systems that I really like. I want to dig in more. I want to ask them the same questions, and I want them to answer every question, the same questions, And I want to see the answer. Mm-hmm. So I asked the question like, why God create human being? Who is God? What God looks like? Or, and then like, what's the purpose of existence of humankind? Why there's suffering in the world? And one of the most profound questions I asked also, where do we go when we die? Mm-hmm. To my surprise, all believers doesn't talk about the same God because the description of God is different. The description of even the purpose of humankind is different. And the most profound one is destiny. All these six religions explain about destiny differently, as if they talk about these different things about God and different ending. But one thing that's so profound is the answer that Christian faith gave me that really touched my heart. What was that? It makes sense in my mind. That we are wrong. We've done lots of wrong things, even without we realize that. We hurt people. We live in a broken world. And that really makes sense because I'm like, yeah, I see that. I mean, that's true. You know? Even though I deny that I'm actually a bad person, but I've done many bad things. And second is that God not just leave us like that, but God comes to the world in Jesus and he live a perfect life, healing, rising people from death and lots of other miracles. And he is the one who we spoke to the unwanted in the society. And he is just amazing person. It's so funny. I have so much opinion about Jesus Christ before I read the Bible, before I really study about him. But when I read the Bible, when I study about him, he's so different. Mm-hmm. He's the most amazing person on earth. And then the most beautiful one as well is that God promised that he's the way, the true and the life. And no one comes to the Father, to heaven, except through Jesus. And he also says that if you believe in me, you'll be with me in paradise. And for me, that's the only promise that God come to the world to save us. Other faith is about us reaching out to God. Mm. But this is the only time that God reaching out to us. And for mm. me, a bit too good to be true at that time. But it's the most beautiful love story. It's the most beautiful God reaching out to humankind who will never find him and ask for help. As part of Bigger Questions, we also reflect on the Bible. And the part of the Bible we're reflecting on today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus once said to his disciples in Matthew 5.16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So what does that passage mean to you, Tracy? Before I become a believer, I read that passage and I realized like the people who really devoted themselves to Jesus, who really repent before him, who really live a new life in him, they're glowing, they're face radiant, they have a new lifestyle, a new motive, and they're selfless, you know, they're not selfish, they're just kind, they do lots of impactful things to the point that I look at them and I realize like, why are you so nice, why are you so generous, why are you constantly helping others, why? And then they say like, because we want to glorify God. 
So I suppose just on that, the, yep. so this light shining before others, you saw that in the glow that you saw in these people. The face glow and also their behavior. They're mm-hmm. so generous. They're so different. I never seen this kind of people in modeling world. Mm. And now as a believer? Before I become a believer, I try to change myself so many times. And I still come back after two weeks, after three weeks, after two months to the old me. It's just really hard to change. But when I accept Jesus as my savior, I repent of my wrongdoings. I say sorry for all the things I've done wrong in life. I say to Jesus, come into my heart. I trust what you say in the Bible. I trust what I've learned about you. And I trust that you're God who comes to the world. You're so personal to us. Please change me. Hmm. That moment, actually, I, I change. Like without effort. It's like effortlessness change. And for me, that was a miracle. And even my family call it miracle as well. I used to be grumpy. I used to be selfish. Lots of negativity about me. And when I become Christian, I was so joyful. There's something lift up from my shoulder, a sense of liberating, a freedom to be who I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but God started to heal my identity. God started to give me a new vision, a new behavior, a new heart. And I look at models, not as my competitions. I just like, if I can help you, please, if you can get the job, please do. Like, I, I just I just change. Mm-hmm. And I, I I didn't realize of my change until my friend said to me, Tracy, there's something different about you. And I'm like, what, what my hair? You know, <laughs> like, what? And then I said, no, you're nicer. You're so happy. And I was like, wow. Jesus is not only is real because of people's story, but it becomes so personal and real because I change mm. without even try to change. Mm. Just by accepting Him and let the grand design of the universe fix me. And so that hole that you felt, that emptiness, it was filled with Jesus? It fills with so much love, acceptance, different with comparison to what I've learned when I was 14 of people love me and accept me and so on. This is so much different. And the outcome of that, let your light shine mm. before men. Mm. And people say to me, like, what do you do differently? It's like, I just say yes to Jesus, and he changed me. Mm. And even though they're skeptic, I said, me too, I was skeptic too. But when I met him, he changed me. Mm. And find out yourself, ask the question I ask, and discover, and don't miss out, because it's amazing to be in his presence. How is life different for the model who met the designer? The different is is liberating. The different is I have a different motive of living, different purpose, and the world becomes such a better place. It seems like God cleansed my lens that I can see clearly and I can enjoy life to the fullness. And the purpose of my existence is no longer to gain fame or to gain wealth, but is to enjoy the every blessing that He pours and to be a blessing to other people with every resources that He's given me. God healed my identity and God gave a new purpose. And one more thing is that I really give me such a grand security is that if I die one day, I'll be with Him. And even knowing Him now is already amazing. To be with him forever, it will be the best thing. I'm not looking forward to die, but I'm not afraid of death because of the hope that I have in Jesus. Let me leave you with the Bible's reflection on the big question, what happened when the model met the designer? From Matthew 5:16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Tracy Trinitar.